Masechet Pesachim, Daf 117. We're talking about Halel, and we have a, a very long Agada uh, talking about Halel and lots of related matters. So, therefore, we have to thank uh, thank uh, Hashem for since we talked about slavery and freedom, and so now we we give we give Thanksgiving. Okay, so since we're talking about saying Hallelujah and the Halel, Madav Chista, Madav Hallelujah. So just going to focus on the word hallelujah. Is it one word or two words? Uh, sometimes it's spelled hallelujah just like this. Sometimes there's a dash and a makaf or dash between hallelujah and then ya. And sometimes it's printed print, as two words, hallelujah, and then a separate word, Hashem's name. Uh, so which one is it? So there's different opinions. Biochanan says this is one word. Also, kes ya, kiyad al kes ya. Um, in Shemot, it's written in Arasif Torah as two words, uh, but he says you should treat it as one word. Uh, and the, and Yedidya, that name in Shemuel also is one word. That's Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. Rav Amar Kesya Rav said a different view. He agrees that Kesya is one. He adds another word, Merchavya is one. And he doesn't talk about Hallelujah and Yedidya, suggesting that he thinks those two words are two. The Gemara will confirm that. So Rabbah disagrees with Rav and says, Kesya is in fact two words. Only Merchavya is one word. Okay, so those are the three statements. We're going to flush them out. So Rav Chista, in the name of Rav did not talk about the word Merchavya. So what would he say? Teko, we don't know. He, didn't, he just didn't address that one. Yedidyah uh, was something that the Yochanan mentioned. Yedidyah is one word. Rav did not talk about it. So what does he think about it? In fact, it's two words. Therefore, the word Yedid is Chol. If you wanted to erase it, you could erase it. But Yudke, that's Hashem's name and that's holy and you could not erase it. Uh, so what about the word hallelujah according to Rav, right? Rabbi Yochanan mentioned hallelujah as one word. Rav did not say anything at all. We can learn it from another statement that Rav said. One time I saw the Tile, the book of Tehillim of Rabbi Chabiba. He had a, he had a book of Tehillim. Or a scroll probably, a scroll of Tehillim. And it said in it, um, hallelujah, and so it had the word hallelujah on one line, and yeah, on the next line. And so, you see, it was, that's for sure clear sometimes uh, that it's considered he considered it two words. Sometimes, if it's on the same line, it's hard to tell if there's a lot of space or a little space in between, but if it's on two lines, for sure, that's two. So, Rav is reporting that, and so that seems like Rav would agree with that as well, and that's why he didn't mention hallelujah. Uh, in his list, he thinks that it is two words. This is really quite amazing because uh, we know our oldest copies of the our oldest copy of the Tanakh, of the Masoretic text, is the Aleppo Codex, is only a thousand only a thousand years old, and here we have a statement of Rav seeing uh, a, a, a book, and he's uh, from from like the year two hundred uh, or so, and so and he's reporting what it says in a in the manuscript from his time. So this is really fantastic because now we have a you know Talmudic evidence um, that's almost as old as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay, um, but it looks like within the, uh, during the time of the Talmud there was machloket because Biochanan has one has one word and Rav has Hallelujah as two words. 
All right, Flika did a Bioshua ben Levi, Tamar Bioshua ben Levi, my hallelujah. So this disagrees. The fact that Rav said is two words disagrees with Yoshu ben Levi. He thought that it should be one word, and Hallelujah is not referring to praise God, but rather praise a lot. The 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 ending here is just a superlative, simply a superlative, and so not therefore not a holy name, uh, but in fact one word. And this statement of Rabbi Yoshu ben Levi argues uh, contradicts another statement that he made. So this is a more a, a larger statement of Yosheb Ben Levi about all of Tehillim. And if you look at all of Tehillim, at the beginning, the opening uh, line. Uh, the uh, what's called super scripture um, uses a lot of different words like nitzuach, lamdatzeach, and then nigun is binginot. Some of them start maskil, some of them start with vizmor or shir, uh, some of them start ashre, one of them starts tehillah um, or tefillah. We have tefillah de Moshe um, and all hoda'an, hallelujah. But the, the most, the best of all is hallelujah. That's the greatest praise, the greatest word you can you can use. Uh, to as an opening because it has both God's name and it says Shevach to praise him. So you see, according to this, he considers Yod Ke to be a reference to God's name, whereas in the first statement he said he thinks Yod Ke is uh, not. It's just a part of the word that means to praise a lot. Then we don't solve the contradiction. Amad of Shemuel, Amad of Yudah Amad Shemuel, Shir Shabbat Torah, Moshe Yisrael Ameruhu, Okay, Shirat Hayam, right? As Yashir, that's in the Sidur every day, is from Shemot Tetbav. And Moshe in Israel said it, said it when they uh, when they exited from the uh, from the parting sea. Right? That's what the Torah says. So there's no amaro. But this question is, who said, who first said the Halel? When we refer to Halel, the Halel that we say on, on, on the holidays. And, uh, and we say half of it on, on Rosh Chodesh and so on, um, is, is found in, in, in Tehillim. It means Morim 113 until 118. That whole thing is Halel. Question is, who first composed it and for what um, for what purpose? Nevi'im she'benehen tikkenu lehen Yisrael shiyom merim oto al kol perek u perek ve'al kol sara v'sara she'lo tavo alehen so the prophets uh, uh, among, among the nation said it for the people of Israel that they should recite it anytime there is any trouble or suffering that should hopefully not come upon them. But if it does come upon them, they should say it. And when they are redeemed, they say it when they are redeemed. This is quite interesting because it means that we, you say it both when during the suffering, we say halal, and during the redemption, uh, during the suffering, uh, as a, as a kind of prayer. I mean, part of it is in fact a kind of prayer. So you know, right? You know, so you can say it, uh, both as a praise, but also as a prayer. Um, I, I trust. I am sure. Please don't let uh, this uh, destruction come upon me. And truth is, if when if you look at the prayers that we say on a taanit on a fast day, it does include a section uh, from Hallel. Um, so at least at least one section of it. Okay, and so we we say it in, as in anticipation of redemption, and then uh, of course 
uh, after redemption, whenever whenever it happens. Tanya hayada bi meir omer kol tushpachot amorot besefer tehilim kulan David amaran shenemar kolu tefilot David ben Yishai altikre kolu ela kol elu. Okay, so this is arguing over here. It says that the the, the first opinion said that Halel was written by the Nevi'im. Uh, uh, in times uh, could be uh, later than David. Um, whereas the first one here, the second opinion of Bimeir says, no, te- David wrote the, wrote everything, including Halel, including all of the Tehilim. And his proof is from this Pasuk, which is found in Mizmor 72. I have a, um, a, a cool chart here. This is all the Mizmorim of Tehilim, right, from one to 41, all the way down until 150. Uh, in columns. And uh, the Sevet Helim is split up into five books, like the five books of the Chumash, right? Book one, book two, and then book three, book four, and book five. Three and four are pretty short. And what you see here is that uh, the headings are in groups, right? You have a lot of Ledavids here, uh, some B'nai Korach, a bunch of Lid, a lot of Ledavids here, some Asaf, a, more, a few more Korachs. So um, books one and two, you have a lot of Davids. Books, uh, book three, you have only one that mentions David in a heading. Book four, only two Mizmodim that mention David in a heading. And book five has a sprinkling here and a grouping here of Mizmodim that have the have David at in the heading. So this is quite interesting because the Pasuk they're referring to here is uh, that the end of Mizmor 72, the end of book two says Kolu, which, which means this is the conclusion, right? Finished are the prayers of David ben Yishai. And this is here, you'd expect this to be at the end of the book. Instead, it's here at the end of book two, uh, which when you look at this chart makes a lot of sense because, right, they have a lot of the Davids here and perhaps the uh, David, there's a few attributed to David afterwards, but these are the main books that are um, almost all Le David. Okay, so in Peshat, it looks like Kolut Ben Yishai, David Ben Yishai is referring to book two for sure, maybe book one also, probably book one also. Um, but this, this Gemara is making a derasha, not Kolu as in completed, but Kol Elu, all of these, not only book one, book two, but also the ones later, including Halel. You see Halel here starts in 113, which starts Hallelujah. The rest of them have no headings. And when you have no heading, that suggests that you should just continue. Each one continues into the other. And that's how you see that it is, in fact, one unit, uh, 113 till 118. Okay, so that's the derasha here. Halel zeh mi amaro. And now the question, a related question is, who who said it? Who, you know, about what about what did they say? Rabbi Yosei Omer, El Azar beni Omer Moshe v'isel amaruhu she'alu min hayam. Uh, so Rabbi uh, Yosef quotes his son as saying that Moshe and Israel said Halel, right? Halel and Beset Israel and Mitzrayim. So you see where he's getting it from, since it has a whole paragraph about uh, when they left Egypt, Hayam Ra'avayanos, right? The sea saw and ran away, split. Uh, so that's definitely referring to the uh, the splitting of the sea. So he says, in fact, it was written, it was, it predates David. It was, it was said by Moshe and Israel, and then it was said again and again, and then David just included it in Sefer Tehilim. Um, but he's a minority opinion. Uh, his friends, the, uh, the colleagues, everyone else says that, no, in fact, David said it first, and then not Moshe and Israel. They said, Shiratayam only, not this also, not Halil also. But Rebbe Elazar's words, the Gemara says, seem more likely. 
or maybe the Biyos is saying this. Can it be that Bnei Israel in that first year when they left Egypt, they're doing Korban Pesach um, and they are taking Lulav. Well, they, exa- they weren't exactly taking Lulav. Um, but uh, in general, can it be that Jews anywhere would be sacrificing a Korban Pesach and taking Lulav and not saying Shira? Right? What are you going to do with Lulav? Just shake it and not do anything? You know, what, what are you going to... What, what are you going to sing when you say when you're doing Kaban Pesach? It's like unimaginable. So therefore, um, the opinion of Rabbi Elazar, the Gemara says, makes more sense that in fact they must have been saying Halel even before the times of David. Okay, the fact that there's Ulav here, which makes it does not related, it. it sounds like this whole statement. Remember, we actually saw it before beforehand on a, in a previous staff. It looks like it was said elsewhere, and then the Gemara is quoting the whole thing here and applying it. Uh, to say that uh, Halel is just universal and, and, and especially related to Yisiyad Misraim, so they must have said it. Davar acher, pislo shel micha omed bebechi v'Yisrael omerim al et ha-Halel, or another, another uh, reason to think that the, uh, the Halel was, uh, was not said by David is that um, during the time of David, there was an idol called the idol of Micha, which he, he, he placed there. It was standing in a place called Bechi, or it was standing and everyone was crying, either way. Um, and Israel, could it be that they were saying Halel while there was an actual idol there? Because the question is, within Halel, you say, um, like those who made, like, like the idol, those who made them should be. Just like an idol is dead, those, so to those who form an idol and worship an idol should be inert, like, just like it. So they would be cursing themselves if they were actually praying to an idol and saying halal. Therefore, it cannot be that and this and you know most of the uh, a big portion of the people were doing that. So it doesn't make sense that they could have been saying halal during the time of David. Therefore, it must have been that it originated um, in the time of Moshe and, and Bnei Israel. All right, now more on halal. Tenoda banan, kol shirot v'tishpachot shamar David, so more on, on Tehillim. So all of this, all of the all of the songs, all of the mizmorim uh, that David said in Tehillim is machloket. Rabbi Eli said he said it about himself. These were personal uh, prayers and thanks and uh, uh, expressions of contrition and, and hope and all that. They were all about himself. But then he put them, he, he, he published them and they're relevant to everybody else. So we say them also. But Rabbi Yoshua says, no, he originally said them about the whole community. They're meant as, a, as communal lament and praise and thanks and, and joy. Don't make a blanket statement for all Tehillim. Some of them were personal and some of them are communal. If you look at each one. Um, and you can tell. Right? If it's written in first person singular, in, in singular, then you know he's talking about himself. He's talking about in plural. So he doesn't refer to himself in plural. That's talking about uh, communal. So there are both types. Okay, um, that's interesting because modern uh, Bible scholars like to make a big deal out of the genres and talk about uh, private and communal. So you see that Tom, uh, Tom had already had these groupings. Nisuach v'nigun labo. Any any mizmor that starts lam bin ginot, right? These words that's talking about uh, hope for the future because the word lam means 
uh, means forever. Uh, so this is this is something that's directed to the future. Maskil turgeman. Maskil like sechel means something you know some wisdom that you would uh, express uh, uh, privately. So this was repeated by a an announcer. Uh, Turgeman, literally a translator, but they didn't always necessarily translate, they just announced to the public. Uh, so, you know, a, a wise person or the rabbi would say something, then the announcer would say it to everyone else. So here, David kind of said it in private, and then uh, others uh, went and performed it. If you have uh, the order Le David first and then Mizmor, that means that Le David, that means the prophecy came to David, and then he said this Mizmor. Mizmor Le David, Melamed Shamashira, Vachankar Sharata Alav Shechina. If you have the word Mizmor first and then Le David, meaning the prophecy came to David, means he sang first to get himself into the mode uh, of prophecy, and only then did the Shechina come to him. So since uh, says in, in the second scenario, first he sings, and that you know, that helps him get into prophetic uh, for Shekhinah to rest on him. That so we learn from that that Shekhinah will not rest on any person if they not are not in the proper mood, uh, if, they, if they're in a sense of laziness or laughter or frivolity or lightheadedness uh, or just n- nonsense, idle chatter, um, all those things are not the right mode. The Shekhinah stays away from the person in that mood. Uh, rather, someone who is joyful in, in, their, in fulfilling the commandments, as it says regarding Elisha, uh, one time he became angry and the spirit left him. So he said, okay, go get me a, uh, a someone to play an instrument. And when he played the instrument, then he was able to come and be in, uh, in a positive mood. And then uh, the Shekhinah was able to come to him. Okay, so that's very beautiful. Okay, what we just said about Shekhinah coming down in prophecy is true also when someone is teaching a halacha. They should be in a, in, in, in a, in a, in a joyous, uh, positive mood and not uh, lazy or frivolous or lightheaded. And also for a halom tov to get a good dream, you want to go to sleep in a, in a happy mood. Uh, and then you'll have good dreams too. All right, good advice. Ini, hold on. Is that true that you're supposed to be uh, in a happy mood when you're teaching? Right, also in the name of Rav. Kol tamit chacham. Hayoshib lifnad abov. En siftotav notifot mor tikavena. Any sage who is sitting before his, his teacher, and if his lips are not dripping with fear uh, or bitterness, in other words, the students should be trembling with, with, with fear uh, at, uh, in, in when, when he is uh, studying from his master. It could be a very serious atmosphere uh, is, is proper. If, if, if not, then his lips should be, should be burnt. Which literally is praising his, uh, the, her, her beloved's uh, lips that are like lilies and they are dripping with myrrh. Uh, flowing myrrh, um, but uh, they're rereading it kind of in the, from a, 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 from a, a, a setting of love to one of trepidation. Not lilies, but rather 
those who are studying, like machine and time, right? The, the studying the repetition. And don't read it as flowing myrrh, but rather as flowing bitterness. And so now we have a contradiction because on the one hand, Rav says um, that one should be teaching Torah in a state uh, that you should be teaching Torah in a state of, of happiness, simcha, mitzvah. But then he also said that the student should be learning in a state of uh, fear and, um, and even uh, uh, um, um, bitterness. So, so we can resolve the contradiction that the teacher should be always be joyous, but the student should be, uh, in, a, in a sense, uh, be, should be uh, serious and trembling. Or maybe both is regarding the teacher. When it says he should be in a happy mood, that's before he starts the before he starts teaching, before the lecture, right? Be joyous and inviting and get everybody in the mood. But once he, he once he uh, uh, begins to uh, his exposition, then he should go into a serious mode. Um, and uh, you know, just make make sure that nothing gets in the way of, of getting everything correct. Right, before he started his uh, his lecture, he would always start with a joke. And uh, and the sages would all be all laugh and be happy. So it's good to always good to start with a joke. That's good, true for any public speaker. Then he would get serious and uh, then he start teaching the halacha. Okay, back to halal. Uh, question is who said it? Uh, first, we already saw a couple of opinions, but now we're going to see a few more. We saw this opinion already, that Moshe and Israel, they're the first ones that said Halel. And what did they say? Well, I mean, some of them said, you know, the beginning, and they said, Beset Israel, and they said, they continued to lo lanu, uh, Hashem lo lanu. And so in other words, they said, Hashem, save us from Paro, uh, but don't, don't, don't do it for our sake. Right, but rather for your name. Now, as we we are not worthy, we can't rely on our own merit. Uh, do it for your sake. And so God answers a quote from Yeshaya. Says God says, "Yes, I will do it for my sake." Okay, we're going to repeat this conversation a few times. Says no, it was, it was said in the next generation. When Yeshua was going into went into the land and had to fight the, the kings in the land of Canaan, and they said, and the people again said, Halel. Um, you see that this is they're all saying this in a time of trepidation, of danger, of uh, of, of, uh, of persecution. And so they're saying, you know, please help us, not for our own sake. And God said, Yes, uh, quoting again Yeshaya. Right, and yet, yet, uh, yet, in a later generation of the Shoftim, Deboran Barak said it when Sisera came upon them, and they said, "There's a repeating pattern. No generation to say we're so great that that we deserve redemption, but they should always uh, request it." Because of God's mercy. Right, this is now, now down to the eighth century when uh, Sanchiriv uh, from uh, Ashur came to attack 
uh, Chizkiah said, said this prayer. Um, they already attacked the northern kingdom and then they came down almost to take the southern kingdom. And now going down a few more centuries to the Babylonian Empire. And so that is Daniel's friends uh, who, uh, who were being thrown into the into the lion's den by Nebuchadnezzar. So they said this prayer and they said, and God said, yes, I will do it for my sake. takes it now to the next uh, empire, the Persian empire. And um, when Mordechai and Esther, they prayed to be saved from Haman. And God said, yes, I will do it for my sake. We saw this before, now it's just more in larger context. And the Nevi'im said, in fact, this is not machloket between each of these opinions. Each one's adding to the one before because he's supposed to say it. The Nevi'im said, you should say halal on every uh, every time that trouble or uh, 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 suffering comes upon them so that uh, that hopefully it will not come upon them. And so they, when they would say, get, are redeemed, they say it as well. Okay, now we get this interesting conversation about the word hallelujah. Um, is it the end of a, a chapter or the beginning of a chapter? So to understand this better, I brought for you here the, uh, here, this, is a, this is the Aleppo Codex. And uh, so you can see that um, here, this is uh, uh, the end of uh, Psalm 145, period, right? And then the word, the Pasuk is added in, in the Sidur, but it's not in the, not in Tanakh. So this ends, and then you have a word, hallelujah, and so on. And that ends with hallelujah. So the question is, this hallelujah, is this the beginning of 146? Or is it the ending word of 145, right? Because uh, you could read it both ways. Um, it could be that this hallelujah, hallelujah, and then you could say hallelujah, and that ends with hallelujah. And then, uh, well, this one is two hallelujah, so for sure it has a beginning and an ending. This one has a beginning and an ending two in a row. Okay, so that would suggest that all hallelujahs have a beginning and an ending of hallelujah. Um, so you see the way it's printed here, the word hallelujah is the beginning of the next mizmor. And the Olam Va'ayad does not have a hallelujah. Um, so that's how it's printed here, right? But uh, when there's only one hallelujah, it is ambiguous if it's, uh, if you're just saying it by heart, um, you got to check in a book to see is it printed here or, or here. And apparently there were different uh, manuscripts and some of them had it above and some had it below. And there's lots of examples of this and um, especially in the, at the end of Tehillim. Okay, so Chachamim, says that all the, the hallelujah is always the ending of the previous paragraph. It belongs with the previous paragraph. But he says that, uh, that the hallelujah is the beginning of the next chapter. Although he said that he, he himself thinks that it's the end of the previous Perek, but he saw the Tehillim book of Rav Hanin, uh, and over there, the, the word Hallelujah was in the middle of the, of the paragraph. Uh, which means that it was ambiguous even in the written manuscript there. So it could go to the previous one or could go to the next one. In other words, he himself was not certain, so he put it in the middle. 
Um, either that, or he thought it could serve as serve both ways. Okay. And then it says, Okay, even though it says here that Rav uh, Chista thinks that Hallelujah belongs to the previous paragraph, in generally says that, but not in every case. In the case of 140, Mizmo 145, which I just showed you, even he agrees, everyone agrees that Hallelujah belongs to the next Pedic 146. Similarly, at the end of 1.12, the next hallelujah belongs to the next chapter. And also in Mizmor 135, the hallelujah goes, belongs to the next chapter. Everyone agrees, even Dav Chista. And we should add also these, the following Pesukim, uh, so the, the, the word hallelujah after Psalm 110 belongs to the next chapter. Uh, and also the after 1.11, the word hallelujah belongs is the beginning of 1.12. Okay, now, uh, so although we have all those exceptions where everyone agrees, but we still do have a machloket when regarding uh, the hallelujah, and now we're going to talk about this hallelujah here. This is uh, the one in Hallel. This page of, uh, of the Aleppo Codex is a little bit uh, faded. Um, the Hallel starts with the word hallelujah and ends off, em habanim semecha, right? And then you have the word hallelujah. And even in the Aleppo Codex is printed on its own line. And so the question is, we have it in our Tanakhs, in our Sidur, we have it, hallelujah, that it belongs to it belongs to 113. However, the question is, maybe not. Maybe just like 113 starts with hallelujah, maybe 114 also starts with hallelujah. And you should read it, period. And then the next paragraph is hallelujah, that's the question, right? And so you really can't tell which way it goes, even just, just from saying it. And in you know, some cases, not even from the way it's written. Okay, so perhaps the, this, these two opinions um, between Rav Chista and uh, Rav Huna are actually, uh, Rabbi, uh, Rav Huna actually parallel a machloket when of uh, machloket of the Tanaim. Because in our Mishnah, they ask, on how much of Hallel should we say before we, uh, in, in the first half, with Magid, before we have the meal, how much of the Hallel should we say? So that's one, one Baraita that's, at, that's quoting the ending words of each of the paragraphs. Bet Shemayan says until the end of the first paragraph, period. See, it doesn't say hallelujah. And Bet says, you say the whole Beset Yisrael until But there's another Braita that says, Bet says until Beset Yisrael, which means not including the words of the Seti Sam right? Just until the end of the first paragraph. And Bet says until, but not including, Lo Lanu Hashem Lo Lanu, which is the beginning of the third paragraph. So another he says until the end of the second. So they're both, both saying the same thing, 
Bet Shemai says you say one paragraph, Bet says you say two paragraphs, but they just say it in different ways by quoting either the last words or the first words of the next one. So why do they have it in, say, in two different formulations? Perhaps these the authors of each of these but I taught are arguing on this very matter. According to the form, first formulation that says he thinks that the word hallelujah belongs to the, the next chapter, and that's why he said period. Actually, it makes sense. And the second Baraita that says, say, according to Bet Shammai, say it until Beset Yisrael, meaning, and not including the words Beset Yisrael, he would include Hallelujah with the first paragraph. Okay. Uh, so maybe that is in fact the machloket. Now, but uh, Rav Chista, we don't want Rav Chista to be only according to one tenetic opinion. He would prefer to be according to both. So Rav Chista metares He can explain both of these. But I thought dekule amasabre hallelujah sof pirka. No, in fact, everybody agrees that hallelujah is the beginning of the first paragraph as we have it. According to the one that says, you say, but Bet says, you say until Beset Yisrael. So that would include the word hallelujah with the first paragraph. One who says, you say until he meant including the next word, that's, that's, uh, uh, the next word, which is hallelujah, even though he didn't say the word hallelujah. That's a bit difficult, right? And that's what we can ask. He should say, no, say, say until hallelujah. Right, what do you mean until If you say only semecha, it sounds like you're not saying hallelujah. And if you say, I'm going to say, I don't know which hallelujah I mean, because the word hallelujah comes up several more times in the next mizmorim later on. And so if you just say until hallelujah, I won't know which one you mean. Well, nevertheless, you could just say, You could have specified it and said, You say until, Hallelujah, right? And I would know which one. Uh, you can't just leave it off as, as semecha. So, kashya, really, it is difficult for Rav Chista to explain that uh, the, the, the version that says, oh, that says, you say until emanim semecha. Oh, now we'll try the other way around and come to the same thing. So he's the one that said, every hallelujah is the beginning of the next paragraph. So therefore, it's emanim uh, semecha, period. And then the next paragraph is hallelujah beset Israel. That's what he thinks. Now, he's going to also want to interpret both of those, but, those, but I taught according to his opinion. According to the one that says, according to Bet Shemai, you say, period, that works for him. You don't say hallelujah because that belongs to the second paragraph, and you say that after Berkat Amazon. And the one who says, you just say until Beset Israel, well, that sounds like the word hallelujah you do say as part of the first paragraph. Well, he would have to say, you say until Beset Israel, excluding the word hallelujah that's before it, right? Not including that word, which really doesn't sound, doesn't sound like that. And that's the next question. If that's what you meant, then it should have formulated, you say until hallelujah, and not including hallelujah, if that's what you think, if you think hallelujah is the next paragraph. 
If you say, I can't just write that because I wouldn't know which hallelujah. There's a lot of hallelujahs, some after. So you could have made it clear until you say until hallelujah, and that one, and then it would have been clear. So in fact, it's difficult for Rabbi Baruchuna to interpret it both ways. So in fact, it looks like the machlok between Rav Chista and Rabbi Baruchuna is paralleled between the two different formulations of the Baraita. Next topic. Uh, when we conclude the Magid section, we say the Halel, we, or the one paragraph, or we say the two paragraphs of Halel, we end with a, with a Beracha, right? And the Beracha, the end of the Beracha is, uh, we end with the theme of redemption. So what words do we say exactly? So Rabbah gives us the formula. At the, after, during Kiryat Shema, the Barakha after Kiryat Shema, both in the morning and in, the, in Arbit, we end Ga'al Yisrael. Uh, because we're saying a praise, right? That's all, that's all, all praise. God, you are the one who redeems Israel. And uh, also in Hallel, meaning at, during the Haggadah, right? After we say the two paragraphs of Hallel, we end it with Ga'al Yisrael. However, during, in the Amidah, uh, in the Amidah, when we say, right? we say it in the infinitive form in the present tense right you are the one who uh, redeems us so how come in Kirat Shema and during the Haggadah we say Ga'al Yisrael right you have had done this uh, whereas during the Amidah you say Go'el Yisrael, the reason is because the Amidah is a prayer. We're asking for mercy. We're hoping that Hashem will now uh, come and redeem Israel. Whereas during Kirat Shema and Halel, it's a praise, a general praise for all that Hashem does in the past uh, and continuing. And that makes that's the difference in the tenses. Uh, whenever you're making a blessing regarding a mitzvah, you say, God, who, com- who uh, commanded, uh, who ma- sanctified us with his mitzvot and commanded us to do this. However, during the Amidah prayer, the Amidah prayer of Shabbat and Yom Tov, you say, keep, make us holy with your mitzvot. So, why? why is the difference in Amidah? Because Amidah is supplication, it's prayer. And so we're asking Hashem during the Amidah, please sanctify us with your mitzvot. Um, uh, and even though technically you're not supposed to ask for things uh, on Shabbat and Yom Tov, uh, so we don't say the usual Amidah, uh, but nevertheless, we're not asking for something personal or health or, or, or uh, produce or anything like that. We're asking for uh, holiness. So that's an appropriate prayer to say on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Whereas when you're saying a blessing before doing a mitzvah, you're not requesting anything. It's more of a thank you. Thank you, Hashem, uh, uh, for sanctifying us and the opportunity that I can now do this mitzvah. When you're saying Kiddush, you have to mention Yitziat Misraim, as we always do. We know this because the whole concept of Kiddush for Shabbat, we know from the Ten Commandments, uh, and so Zachor, right? Remember, not just remember in your mind, but mention uh, your, the day of Shabbat to make it holy, that's how you say Kiddush. And so therefore it says, so that you will remember the day you left Egypt, it means you have to mention it as well. 
And so we do mention Yisrael Misraim on Shabbat and on Yom Tov. Amar Rabbah Bashela, Dislota, Masmiyah, Keren Yeshua, Daftara, Magen David. Since we're talking about different versions of similar berachot, um, berachot that have to do with uh, the, uh, a prayer for a future kingship. Uh, and during the prayer in, in the Amidah, we say, right, at Semach David and so on. It's talking about the, the, the flourishing of the kingdom of David, the dynasty of David. And yet it ends, Masmiyah, Keren Yeshua, that you grow, cause to grow the, uh, the hope of salvation. Um, but when we, after we have finished Haftarah, we say, Magen David. And uh, this would be similar. Magen David is just a, a praise. God, you are the shield, shield of David. Whereas in the prayer, we're asking for Hashem to uh, bring, bring the growth of uh, the, uh, the coming of the, uh, in general, of the salvation. Why do we mention David uh, in, in the Haftarah specifically? Um, because Natan the prophet tells David, I'm going to make you a great name, uh, like the great ones. So how, in what way is David's name great? In that, we mention his name every time after we read Haftarah, and we're reading Nevi'im, so we read, uh, we, we say, we mention Magen David, and his name will be, will be like the other greats. Who are the other greats? Well, the other greats are going to be, we're going to see, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So Hashem tells Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. That's why at the beginning of Amidah, we mention Abraham, right? So, because he's great, so we should, as he's worthy of mention. The Pasuk continues, I will bless you. In what way does God bless Abraham in addition to making him, him a great nation? The fact that we mention also his son, the God of Yitzhak. I will make your, make your name great. Um, so his, he, he is eternalized uh, through his son and his grandson through Yaakov. His, his name is great. And that's why we say Elohi Yaakov also in the beginning of the Amidah. Now, how about the end of the first Berachah of the Amidah? We only say, Magen Abraham. How come you don't say, Magen Abraham, Yisak, and Yaakov? Okay, the answer is that the ending Berachot always has to be simple. You can only mention one thing. You can't mention, mention a whole bunch of things. So, uh, and so why Abraham specifically? No, you, right? I'm going to mention, hey, Beracha is the end of that pasuk. You will be the blessing, Abraham, right? You're the, you're the starter, uh, you're the founder. And so the Beracha ends with only Abraham, even though it begins with all of them. Ben Besilota, Ben Bikidusha, Mekadesh Hashabat, Yomatava, Beslota, Ben Bikidusha, Mekadesh Israel, Vehazemanim. So Rava is now citing the elders of Pumpedita, city in Bavel. And this is what they would, they would talk about the formula of Kiddush. Um, on Shabbat, uh, now we, we have Kiddush in the Amidah, and we also right, have Kiddush that we say on the wine. So on Shabbat, um, whether it's the Arbit of, of Shabbat or Kiddush of Shabbat, you always end Mekadesh Shabbat, right? In fact, the Amidah of Shabbat has one Barakha in the middle, it ends Mekadesh Shabbat. And the, the, right, and Kiddush also ends Mekadesh Shabbat. And on Yom Tov, you end both in the Amidah of Yom Tov and in Kiddush of Yom Tov, Mekadesh Yisrael Vehazemanim. 
right? You, you sanctify Israel and the and the holy days and the festivals. So no, it's interesting that we don't say Mikadesh Yisrael Shabbat, right? And we don't just say Mikadesh Hazmanim. So how come Mikadesh Shabbat and yet Mikadesh Yisrael Vehazemanim? Again, I will address that. Rav said to the, the elders of Humbedita, I don't agree with you. I don't think that you should make the Amidah always the same as the Kiddush. During the Amidah, you should always say just Mekadesh Yisrael, even on Shabbat and Yom Tov. You don't have to mention Shabbat or Yom Tov, just Mekadesh Yisrael. But regarding Kiddush, that's where you make a difference. The Shabbatah Mekadesh Shabbat, Yom Tavah Mekadesh Yisrael Vazemanim. On Shabbat you say Mekadesh Shabbat, on Yom Tov you say Mekadesh Yisrael Vazemanim. So actually they agree on what you would say for Kiddush, which is exactly the same as what we say, but they disagree on what you'd say during the Amidah. Okay. Vana Amina ta'amadidi ve'ta'amaditchu. And the Vah says, I will tell you your reason and my reason. I'll explain the different, why, what we differ about. about. Ta'amaditchu, here's what you say. Since Shabbat is a set set by the calendar, right? It doesn't matter what people think. Uh, it doesn't. You know, we can't do anything to change the day of Shabbat. Shabbat comes automatically every seven days since the time of creation, and so therefore Israel has no involvement in uh, in making Shabbat holy. God, you make Shabbat holy. So that's the appropriate formula. However, Yom Tov, we have a part in it because the, the, the nation, the Betin, they decide which month is full or, or 30 days or 29 days. They add a month, they take away a month. And so really the Betin is deciding what day Yom Tov will be because they decide the whole calendar. And so therefore for holidays, it makes sense to say Mikadesh Yisrael, you make Israel holy and also the festivals because Israel are, are involved in making is the festivals holy. That's the reason for the people of Pumbedita, uh, the elders of Pumbedita. However, Rabbi says, I disagree. The Amidah prayer, you're saying in Bet Knesset with everybody, with a lot of people around. So over there, what you want to emphasize is the holiness of Israel, the fact that we were all, all here in a congregation. However, Kiddush, which is said privately, so that's a different story. Since it's private, then I agree with what you said, um, and that you would say for Shabbat, we're focusing on Shabbat. We don't have Israel here, not all here. Whereas Yom Tov, you mentioned Israel and the holiday, because uh, Israel also is involved in making the holiday holy. Okay, Velohi. Um, however, we uh, reject that reasoning. Selota Wait, hold on. Is that true? Is do you never say the Amida in uh, uh, in in private? Uh, it's true. Usually, Amida certainly in, on Shabbat and Yom Tov, you say it in, in public congregation. But if someone can't get to Beit Knesset, so he says it. He says it on his own. So it's not necessarily true that uh, Amida will be said we're in public. And is there no time that we say Kiddush in public? We do. Remember, we talked about saying Kiddush in the Beit Knesset, right? For everybody or a public gathering. There's a celebration or something. Sabbat. However, Rabbi could counter that and said, I go by the main thing. Usually the Amidah is said in public and usually the the, um, Kiddush is said in private. Okay. 
so Ula one time he was the Chazan. Um, uh, he went. He went down before. It seems that the Chazan would would be on a, on a lowered uh, area uh, platform. So he became. He was Chazan in front of Rava. So it's always they're always uh, careful when you put someone's chazan before a great sage and you know, make sure they do the right thing. Otherwise, they'll be corrected. Amar kesabe de pumpedita ula said what the elders of pumpedita said during the amida. Right? It was either was Shabbat. He said mikadesh Shabbat, um, and he didn't just say mikadesh Israel uh, or Zim Tov, and he said mikadesh Yisrael v'zemanim. He didn't just say mikadesh Yisrael. So he did what we do. And yet, Rava, even though Rava disagreed and said, you should always say Mekadesh Yisrael during the Amidah, he didn't tell him anything. He didn't correct Ula. Therefore, we can see Rava must have changed his mind because he wouldn't just sit there and, uh, and not correct him if he thought otherwise. So Rava must have changed his mind. Rav Natan, Abu de Rav Huna, Bere de Rav Natan. That was an interesting way to refer to a person. Rav Natan was the father of Rav Huna, the son of Rav Natan. Okay, I guess everybody knows Rav Huna, the son of Rav Natan. His father was obviously his name was Rav Natan. He was Nachet Kamed Rav Papa. He was Chazan in front of Rav Papa. Amar Kesabe de Pumpedita Rav Papa. He follows. He followed uh, the what we do and what Pumpedita elders Pumpedita did. And Abbas Rav Papa said Chazak Baruch. He said it nicely. Amar Ravina Ana Ikla Lesura Kamed Maremar Benachet Kameh. So Ravina says, one time I went to the city of Sura in, in Babylonia and I was chazan in front of Maremar and I was, uh, um, uh, I was chazan de Pumpedita. And I said also like the elders of Pumpedita, and the whole congregation were, were shushing me. They were saying, no, don't say that. I, I was saying, Mekadesh Shabbat. And they were saying, no, don't say that. I said, Mekadesh Yisrael. Um, However, the the uh, the rabbi there, Maremar, uh, they uh, told his congregation, his own people, leave him alone, right? Leave him alone. He corrected them and said, really, the halacha is in fact like the sages of Pumpedita, and then the congregation did not correct him anymore. And so you see from all these stories that uh, this is the source of what we do as well. That on Shabbat we say Mekadesh Shabbat, both in Amidah and in the Kiddush, and on holidays we say Mekadesh Yisrael ve'Hazemanim, both in Kiddush and uh, during and in the Amidah. Baruch Adonai Olam, Amen ve'Amen.